Hey, everybody. It's Edwin Salmon of Knowledge. How's it going, everybody? Uh, this is my first podcast by myself. Firstly, I'd like to apologize for doing a podcast in the first place. There's probably too many of them. But, uh, you know, I've heard from numerous people. People have said to me, it's true. People have said to me, hey, Ed, you've got such a great uh, voice, lovely and soothing and calming. You should do a podcast so people can, you know, go to sleep or listen to you while having a bath or go to sleep in the bath. Don't do that unless you've got a snorkel, guys. It's dangerous. So uh, I was going to be doing a podcast Anyway, truth be told, I was planning on it, but this uh, pesky COVID-19 pandemic has kind of forced my hand here. Uh, It would be nice to be doing this podcast and to be talking about all the gigs that I am doing, but unfortunately, uh, I can't do any stand-up comedy gigs, which... uh, is very unfortunate. My last one was uh, two and a bit weeks ago now in uh, the Roisin Dove. I was supposed to be in uh, doing cherry comedy in Whelan's in Dublin this week. Uh, I have another gig next week. Um, this Sunday I was supposed to be in the Comedy Crunch, but everything's shut and everyone's indoors. And I hope everyone's feeling okay. I hope everyone's doing okay. It's a stressful time. Uh, for everyone, I've had to uh, cancel a lot of my tour uh, dates. They've been rescheduled for September. So um, hopefully the other side of this, I'll get to perform comedy again for lovely people who come along and see me perform and give me some money uh, for making them laugh. It's a small price to pay because my tickets will be reasonably priced, guys. Reasonably smallly priced. So uh, I have been up to uh, divilment. Uh, no, I haven't been up to much. I've been basically uh, editing some old reviewables episodes. Maybe uh, some of you guys it could be some reviewer pals listening in. If you are a reviewer pal, hi, uh, welcome to Edwin Salmon of Knowledge. I'll be just talking about everything that's in my brain, and at the moment, guys. It's the pandemic and self-isolating. And I'm self-isolating in Dublin City, which is where uh, most of the cases are. So it's a kind of a stressful time. Um, So let's talk about first dates, because I was on first dates. And this all went down literally days before the lockdown and everyone had to sort of stay indoors and stay away from people. And it's all very surreal and very like a movie, like a, a very uh, edge of your seat thriller movie that you wish you weren't in, but you are. So uh, you're just going to have to hunker down and uh, hope for the best. So, yeah, I was on first dates. Now, the weird thing about first dates was everyone was asking me, hey, how'd you get on first dates? What happened? Did you find love? 
mm, what's going on over there? And just so many people, you know, hey, what's, hey, I'm over here talking to you now. Oh, hey, what's going on? Um, and I couldn't tell anyone because you're under contractually, uh, you're contractually obliged not to say anything. You can't say, was it a good date or anything like that? Of course, I was telling my close personal friends everything that happened in excruciating detail. But um, I couldn't reveal it. They didn't want me to talk about how the show was made. Because no one wants to, you know, no one wants to know how the show was made. People want to believe in the magic of television, that it all happens live in front of their eyes and it's all edited live and it's, everything happens perfectly or not, as the case may be, in the case maybe for sure in first dates. Why did I go on first dates? A lot of people would ask me that. And I think uh, it's because I felt like I could. I mean, I've refused to do it a couple of times. Um, I was asked by one of the producers who is Hannah Mamelis's mammy, Mammy Mamelis, uh, Mairead Tucker, working for Coco Television, she asked me a couple of times and I refused to do it because I was just too nerve-wracking. I was like, no. Um, but I said I would because nothing ventured, nothing gained. And who knows, there could be a spark. And there was a spark. Mm, go on, you say. I will, says I. And here I go. So I said yes. Because I love the show. I genuinely think it's a very positive show. Um, I think they do a good job with actually trying to, you know, match people up. And it's very kind of, it's like good old-fashioned TV. Because with the advent of reality TV, you have these shows like, you know, Love Island. And, uh, you know, Dating in the Dark. And Love is Blind, which is that new one. And, you know, I asked people, what's Love is Blind like? And they're like, it's horrific. I was like, oh, my God. And like, yeah, I love it. I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? I just don't, you know, and the, that one where they're, you know, they're, they're just looking at their genitals and then deciding if they want to actually date the person. It's like, I couldn't do that. I just don't think my testicles are that attractive. You know, I don't have that pair of balls that when you look at them, you go, well, I want to see the rest of this guy. You know, I just, I don't have that. I wish I did, but I don't. And yeah, Love is Blind, it's it's an insane premise. Love Island, I'm just not that type of guy. I'm not, you know, I, I, I need to be waxed to within an inch of my life. I'd probably pass out from the pain of waxing. I'm quite a hairy man, quite a... Herstute. Is that how you pronounce it? Herstute? Hersweet? Herswite? Quite a Herswite man. Um, I just couldn't do it. I just, you know, if they're ever casting sexy man on a beach, uh, I'm not getting that part. I'm getting the, the, the weird hairy man who gets sand kicked in his ice cream by the waxed man who's got a lovely pair of testicles um almost like just wow the brad pitt of balls on this guy i'm just not that guy but i did want to do the show because it is a great show and it, i think it's old-fashioned and harkens back to uh the first dating show i ever saw 
which was blind date, blind date, blind date. You must remember blind date. Oh yes, it was hosted by Hazilla Black. Its theme tune was good. Oh Silla, you are gone. I wish you were here, cause you really set me up with someone. Uh, I do think uh, Blind Date, like that was a simple show that was basically three three lads or three lassies and the corresponding man or woman. It was very, very, very gender normative. Uh, you know, it was the 80s. It was a different time. And Scylla Black was there and they'd ask questions and get answers. They wouldn't see each other. And then a big wall would be pulled to reveal uh, the date at the end. But first, I'd have to reject two people. Um, but it was all a bit of fun. It was all a lot of double entendres. You know, they'd ask a question like, I like skiing. If we were to go skiing, what would you do to me sexually? You know, it was I'm a bit more subtle than that. Oh, I'd go slalom with you all the way. And it wouldn't matter if our bums got cold from the snow because we could warm them up in the fire naked as we hump like rabbits. It wasn't that explicit. It was very kind of innocent, winky-winky. You know, the era of uh, comedy. Good, clean family fun in the 1980s. Uh, so first dates. It's a very, very surreal experience being on a television show, especially one that you enjoy. I'm very, very happy that I got the door right. That's the big thing on first dates. Will they get the door right? And I didn't study the show. I didn't cheat. Uh, I've, obviously, I've seen the show, but you never remember. Like, I could have looked at an episode and seen, oh, right, okay, you push, you don't pull. And I still can't remember now. You could ask me now, and I can't remember. I think I, I think I pushed it. I think I pushed it, Your Honor. No further questions? Uh, and I got the door right, and I went in. But it's a weird one, and like, they don't want you talking about the 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 machinations of how the show is made. They don't want you, you know, you don't want to know how the sausage is made because you know you might not want to eat the sausage. But let me tell you, it doesn't ruin it. You're still going to want to watch the show and eat the sausage. They're one and the same thing. This metaphor is getting mixed. So I went in. I was there from half three in the day till half nine at night is when we left. And if you've seen the show, we went for a drink afterwards. And uh, you go in, you're sort of brought to a green room, which is a room in the hotel. And there's copious amounts of, let me tell you, lager. Carlsberg lager served out of tin cans. Folks, this is like high-end stuff. This is like one heck of a green room. Uh, a selection of nuts, nibbles, various salty treats. And I'm sitting there. I didn't want to. I didn't want to drink. I was kind of too nervous. I was like waiting. I picked the drink I was going to have at the bar. You know, weeks ahead of time, I knew I was going to have a whiskey with ginger, and that was going to be my drink. And there was one guy who was a background dater because there's background daters, there's foreground daters. What's the difference? I hear you ask. Well, a background dater, they're the ones that are out of focus in the background. No, they're the ones who aren't. Um, they're not on camera. They're not mic'd up. Uh, but they're, they're actually on dates. Everyone on the show, in the background, everyone there is on a blind date. So I looked at this guy and I was like, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? 
and he looked at me with a gleam of recognition. So we're both staring at each other's eyes, recognizing some kind of, we've had some mutual shared experience. And then I kind of twigged what it was, I think, and I went, I went, wait a minute. Did we do, we were doing drugs at a festival and we had like some weird, long, involved conversation where we became best friends temporarily for 20 minutes. Is that it? And he went, no, but I could see in his eyes that that's what it was. And he made me out to be a liar. Everyone in that room thought I'd made up that story. Or maybe they'd seen his embarrassment or something. But I kind of felt bad. I was I was maybe too, I was too honest with him. So then went in. Another weird thing about the show is that you don't notice when you're watching the show because it's edited. But so they can have a clean edit. There's no cameras in there. The cameras are like CCTV. You can see, you know, a few of them, but it's not it's not like a thing on a crane going right up to your up to your face so you can you can hear the machinations. It's very, very subtle. But there was a, a point where I kind of went about 20 minutes into it. I went, wait, what's this is this feels weird. What's strange here? There's something strange here. And it was there was no music. There's no music. You go to a restaurant, there's ambient music, usually a nice, nice classical music, sometimes maybe a bit of country and western, that's okay, a little bit of bluegrass. Uh, as long as it's not just like, you know, your chart-topping Post Malone or whomever, Jimmy O'Shea and the Corner Boys, whoever's topping the charts these days. But I've heard that music occasionally in in shops. Remember shops when we go to shops? I've heard them in there, and... Uh, it just sounds awful. Um, but there's no music at all, which is kind of, it's weirdly off-putting. It's bizarre. So, guys, how did the date go? Uh, it was fun. It was surreal. Um, but it's a funny thing. I mean, attraction is a funny thing. It's a weird thing. I did say something in the preamble on the show when they're asking me, they ask you various questions, and this didn't make the cut. Um, but they asked me, you know, what is love? And first I said, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. And no more. Uh, which is just me making a joke. But then I went, no, no, okay, what is love? And I thought about it for a second. I thought, well, you know, love is a strange thing. It's like love almost, you could say it doesn't exist. It's not a tangible thing. It's not something you can touch. It's not something you can fully explain. It's beyond that. It's uh, emotional. It's in the ether. It's like, it's the reason why, you know, people write sonnets and people write songs and people write poems and books and paint uh, to express what love is because it's almost inexpressible. I don't know. It doesn't need to be expressed. It's a feeling. And you have a spark. And sometimes you have a spark and sometimes you don't. And I did have a spark. But not with the girl from first dates. Dun dun dun! Twist. I, funnily enough, not funny enough, had the date. I flew in from Edinburgh for the date in August, middle of August. The show didn't air until seven months later. A month after filming the show, I 
met a lovely, beautiful, funny, sexy girl called Cara. And I am recording this podcast in her apartment in Dublin because we are in lockdown together. And let me tell you, that is a test of a relationship. So far, we're doing well. Um, Yeah, so we met um, in real life. We met at a play, The Roaring Banshees, uh, in Smock Alley, wonderful play. And uh, we had a a kind of an awkward, well, awkward for me, because I just sort of monologued at her as if, kind of like what I'm doing now, kind of like what I do for a living. I think that's part of the problem with being a comedian and trying to uh, date and trying to talk to people. It's not that you're trying to be funny all the time. It's that you're just so used to having one-sided conversations with audiences uh, or like here on podcasts that you don't ask any questions. And that's, a you know, that is a real failing of mine. And uh, I, you know, I've learned that I've uh, learned from it. And uh, our actual first date, because it took me like a week and a half to message her, which is why I knew I liked her, because I felt I'll message her and we'll meet up. But then there's another part of my head, my brain going, no, anything you message her will be horseshit and you don't want to look like an idiot. So you better not message anything. And then I'm like, but then she won't ever meet up. Just look Trust me on this, but don't trust your brain. You got to take a leap. And uh, my younger brother, Johnny, hey, Johnny, um, he just said, look, if you like the girl, just fucking message her. And I did. And we met up. We went to the washerwoman uh, in uh, uh, Finglas, oh, not Finglas, in, sorry, in Glasnevin. And then we went for, it was a terrible meal. I wouldn't recommend that place. And we went for a walk around the Glasnevin Cemetery in the rain. Uh, I talked about my ex. I talked about my skill with skinning rabbits. I don't know why I was saying these things. I, I thought it was a complete disaster. But at the same time, we hung out for a good few hours. Like, I don't know, it was like a whole... We met for like lunch and then it was the evening, nighttime by the time she left. So we passed the time fairly, very well. And now I'm pleased to say six months on, we are still together. And actually uh, two days shy of our six month anniversary, we watched the episode of First Dates, her and me, me complimenting uh, a woman on screen about her eyes while my girlfriend's eyes poured into my brain like lasers. I could feel them burning into the side of my head. Uh, but no, she uh, took it all in good sport. And uh, I mean, it's my own fault for for meeting and dating, going on a date with uh, a woman a month before I knew Cara even existed. And 
yeah, we celebrated our, our six-month anniversary in a very memorable way, a weirdly memorable way, in that we watched a double bill of Contagion and Outbreak. Um, and we uh, proclaimed our love for each other in the middle of those movies. Two very scary movies with very scary killer viruses. Now, this coronavirus is obviously not as scary, but, I mean, I'm worried about my parents, who live in Offaly, my dad, who's in his 70s, my mum, who's uh, an ageless beauty. But both of them are vulnerable, and uh, they're safe. They're, you know, following protocols and all that. And my dad is kind of worried uh, about losing his mind because, you know, people are locked inside and not forcefully, but they're, you know, they're inside because they don't want to get sick. And it can be tedious and it can be sort of boring. Uh, I understand, especially if you have kids. And for me, as a self-employed person who cannot work, I'm trying to find an audience now. This is what I'm doing, guys. I'm talking to you. I'm trying to find an audience. That's it. It's like, um, hey, I like to bake. That's what I do. That's part of my uh, routine now. I bake a couple of times a week. Uh, I bought a family size pack of eggs today. I bought 18 eggs. There was 20, but I said, hey, all right, I'm not crazy. I just have the 18. Thank you very much. And uh, I just had the 18. Because I know I'm going to use them over the, the next couple of weeks. But if I want to talk about baking, I'll, I'll ring my mum. I actually have been ringing my dad pretty much every day because I think he just uh, will talk for, we'll actually have a conversation for a couple of minutes and then he'll just start monologuing at me about something for like 20 minutes. And I realized that that's my dad's podcast and I'm the only one that listens to it. And you know what? I'm happy to do that because... Uh, it gets stuff off his chest and you're talking about this situation which seems so surreal but it is real and you just need you just need something to vent my, like my mum's fine she's watching movies she loves watching movies as much as I do and this has been a great opportunity to watch movies now what I do is I don't watch movies all the time sometimes I play video games <laughs> sometimes I even do some work well I think since I have been going out with Kara, who is working from home and she's you know she's lucky to be doing that but she gets up early in the morning I've been getting up early as well I've kind of been getting into a routine before this whole thing happened where I you know I get up early obviously I'm a comedian so I do have the luxury of maybe sleeping on a bit but I've been getting up I've been trying to do uh, at least an hour of writing before noon and then you know I'll uh play a bit of video games, maybe a bit of Red Dead Redemption, which I think is uh, maybe the greatest video game ever made, arguably. I'll argue about that again. Well, I'll do I'll do a video game history podcast, and I'll give you some knowledge about my video games. But, um, yeah, and I'll do, some, I'll do some baking, I'll do some gardening, um, I'll do some exercise, and I found I found myself, you know, reading more books now. Uh, I think for the next podcast, I'm going to be talking about a book I just finished, Le Planète de Sange, uh, which translates as a monkey planet, written by the French novelist Pierre Boulle. I'm a big fan of the Planet of the Apes movies. 
I have all five of the original on DVD here in self-isolation, which I will have to watch by myself because I don't think Kara is interested in watching Planet of the Apes. But I'm going to compare the book to the movie, which is better. They're both kind of goofy. And there's some really old-fashioned stuff in the book that I think you're going to enjoy. I'm going to uh, be reading a few excerpts from that uh, in the next podcast, which should be in the next couple of days. Who knows? Whenever I get it done. Um, now, my dad, I'm saying, look, if you're bored, because he's not a big reader, I'm like, go to the attic, read some books. In fact, do you know what's up there? The encyclopedias that you bought years ago that we moved from one house to the other house when we moved to a new house years ago. They're all up there. The tables have turned. When we were kids and we were bored on rainy days, he'd say, pick up the old encyclopedia and learn about vulcanized rubber or learn about how a V-shaped valley is formed uh, or whatever. Like he, he, The gateway drug into the encyclopedias when he showed us the entry on Star Wars. And we're like, ooh, this is about the movies. But no, it's about everything. But, you know, hey, we've got the internet for, internet for that now, so you don't need actual encyclopedias. But um, I think uh, if you can do something, I think exercising, getting out of the house at least once a day, just walking around the local area, you know, I've done that. I've been doing that every day. I've been thinking about going for uh, a little midnight run. And I'm not talking about that classic action comedy starring Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Uh, but, ooh, I'm going to watch that now. I'll put that in my brain. If you've never seen that, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, but just going out uh, at night when it's safer. Because during the day, it can be a little bit stressful if people are standing in doorways of shops and, and not, you know, really thinking and you're being, you know, I've been a little bit kind of paranoid about it. I've told a few people, maybe half a dozen people to kind of step back or give me a bit of room. And they've been cool about it. It's fine. Now, I will say this. Social distancing is very, very important. But I think mental distancing is also very important. And that's the phrase that I'm coining now. Copyright, trademark, Edwin Salmon of Knowledge, mental distancing, something to keep your mind off the horrible reality, the surreal reality of what's happening with this pandemic. Read a book, have a wank. If it takes your mind off it for 20 minutes, that's fine. Uh, write a story, paint. I paint, I'm no good at it. Uh, some would say, but actually, I think I'm as good as I can possibly be. Uh, I'm like, I'm not, if you're going to compare yourself to, I don't say Picasso, he just drew weird shapes and boxes. But, um, you know, some some people are obviously very talented at painting. But any kind of expression you can do, anything that gets you out of your head, you know. And look, I'm not saying I'm a mental health guru. I've maybe read as many books about mental health as Brezzy has, does that make me qualified? I guess so. I don't know, but that's why when I get up in the morning, I have a routine, I do stuff. I like to sing, I'm full of beans. Uh, my girlfriend is not a morning person, so I have to sort of curtail my beans uh, first thing in the morning. But, you know, that kind of gets me going. You can kind of, 
you can fool your brain and your body into thinking it's having a good time and uh, you'll actually believe it. So one thing I've been doing as well is by having a dance. I've been dancing, putting on music I like while I'm e either cleaning or, you know, taking everything out of the dishwasher or, or filling up the dishwasher or just cooking, baking. I've got the headphones on or I've got the speaker on and I'm bopping around. And you know what? It gets my steps up and it's mental distancing. That's what it's all about, guys. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode, the first episode. And I'm going to be back soon enough with more chat, mainly about monkeys and how much I love them. And I might talk a little bit about maybe Red Dead Redemption 2 and how much I miss it. Um, anyway, stay safe, guys. Stay distant. But listen to this. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.